just for a brief moment so I can just gather myself as I deliver the word of the Lord. as I deliver what you would have me to say to your people. God, allow us to be open and willing to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this moment of feasting and coming together as a community, a body of believers, God. We thank you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My focus or title of my theme is are you still thirsty and as soon as I received the invite that's what dropped in my spirit because of the various things that I was actually going through myself and the key verse that God wanted me to focus on was the verse that the woman responded to Jesus and said the woman said to him sir give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Title, Are You Still Thirsty? While preparing this sermon, I had to reflect on the multiple deaths that occurred so closely to me since 2019 and until the beginning of 2020. Um, during this time, there was a lot of deaths. I lost my great aunt, I lost my cousin, I lost another baby cousin, and then I lost the vice president to my committee so suddenly. Mm. So it was like back to back to back to back. And I'm going through school and through all of the different things that I needed to go through, but there were so many deaths that were occurring. And every death that occurred was someone very significant in my life, either a close family member or a colleague, a friend, someone dear in my heart was leaving eternity, mm. to leaving the earth to enter into eternity. While processing the acts of life and death, plus the in-between moments of emptiness, absence of that person, and mm. change, my heart felt drained and dry. 
My draining and dryness were not because I didn't understand the process nor the life lessons of Ecclesiastes that says in chapter three clearly expresses that everything has a time and everything is a starting and an ending. However, neither was my draining and dryness the results of not, not knowing God nor his control, especially during the process of life and death. It was those in-between moments that presented draining and dryness. How many times have you gone through so many traumatic things and everything within you becomes to a place of depletion? Mm. That you're so dry, you're so empty, but you keep going. You keep functioning, but you're barely holding on to every inch of strength, every inch of motivation just to go forward but you don't realize that you're actually operating off of fumes. Hmm. The uncertainties to move forward and the strength to continue were at a point of question because I was tired. Hmm. Emotionally tired, spiritually tired, mentally tired, and physically tired was my reasons to possibly take a moment or a long extended pause to regain strength. I began to plan and process opportunities for a pause in my daily routine, I was ready to shut down. I didn't want to include others nor cause awareness of my short, long, extended stays or breaks to no one. You just wanted to be by yourself. I didn't want anybody involved. I just wanted my moment. My fears were the concerns of being talked about or talked out of it, plus alerting unwanted guests to invade my space. I was just wanting to be alone, isolated to myself from everyone. Why? I was tired of hearing the phone ring that someone I love had mm. passed away. While preparing for my break from everything connected to my life, such as school, church, work, and people, there was still no satisfaction nor moisture for the dry places. I was thirsty for something to aid me in the middle of all of the sudden changes occurring. Let me ask you something. Have you ever come to a place in life that you were tired, drained, and dry? In addition, did you ever felt like everything planned and processed kept a thirst still lingering inside of you? Have you ever thought about that? You tried everything to the best of your ability, and you're still thirsty. Mm -hmm. You joined every social club, religious, political groups, and to quench your thirst, and you're still thirsty. You tried different holistic <coughs> methods of relaxation and everything that you could possibly think to meditate, to hum, even having <laughs> your quiet moments, and having inner reflections, and you're still thirsty. Since Valentine's Day has past <laughs> and it was a time to express love to yourself and others and some even because I'm single you know that some had a, a way of saying this was single awareness day so love, <laughs> so love on yourself <laughs> and yet there were those that had relationships and trying to quench a thirst <clears throat> fully but it wasn't happening so you had that relationship you went out on that day you spent that quality time but there was still something in you that wasn't really quite 
quenched and you mm -hmm. felt yourself like, wow, isn't this something that you could even go to a refrigerator and you're hungry and you know you went grocery shopping and you saw everything possible and you're going in there and you're looking and you're saying, well, I, well, I don't have a taste for this and I don't have a taste for that. And you have a, a refrigerator full of food, beverages, everything. And even after you have ate something and drank that drink, you're still thirsty. And you're wondering, saying, what? what? I need something to, to fill that void. I need something to satisfy me for that day. Here we are. Here's a narrative of a conversation that Jesus has with a Samaritan woman at a well. They are starting their conversation at a place that is guaranteed to quench thirsty animals and people. It was historical significance. Um, not only was so we think, this well was not just a basic well. It was a historical significance connecting two sides of a family lineage. It is the book of John 4, 1 through 30. Shares how Jesus Christ interrupts someone's plain routine, quench a thirst that motivates one woman to share the gospel with a whole community. Before we share her experience of Jesus interrupting to quench her thirst, let us first examine briefly the three types of barriers from verses 1 through 14. Because as it was read, there was a conversation, a nice open conversation, but Jesus was asking some intimate questions later down through that chapter. It was something that was being shared. But the woman, as it was read, had some questions of her own as well. And so as we go on, Jesus is a Jew, okay? And the woman, she's a woman, and she's a Samaritan. Now, if you think back to that time, women were considered almost second-class citizens. And then she was a Samaritan. And Scholar says that uh, provides a historical backdrop of John 4 and the region Jesus was traveling through, leading him to Samaria, a territory known to be a, a, a coffee, uh, excuse me, uh, occupied by Jewish enemies. Samaritans are the offspring from the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. Both of them recognized as northerners. And I'm a northerner. I'm from this today. <laughs> because this tribe had came from the northern part of Israel. Samaritans were the remnants of the destruction of the temple in Mount Gerizim. Then also, before the destruction of Samaria, they were formerly known as the town of Shechem in 109 BC, or the place of alien folk. Now, I will say, as a northerner coming down south, I did feel like an alien folk. <laughs> Especially when you're so accustomed to certain ways and I don't know, those from up north, you know, our demeanor can be sometimes a little harsh or standoffish. And when you come around southerners, it's more welcoming, hugging, and enjoying that fellowship and time. So for me, I had to adjust a little bit from my normal standoffish. But even though I warmed up, I warmed up to the southerners, and the southerners warmed up to me. So I learned real quickly if I wanted to make it through being at school. <laughs> First, Jesus had to cross a barrier. And one of the barriers was prejudice, 
and division and traditionalism that caused tension racially, demographically, sexually, and socially before addressing the thirst in verses one through six. So while he was talking with the woman, she's like letting him know, hey, you're, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. I'm a woman and I'm a Samaritan. What do you, what, why do you want to talk to me? And why are you asking me about some water? Uh, what's wrong with your hands? In other words. <laughs> and yet Jesus did not allow her brass and sassy self to remind him, hey, how are you talking to me? Did you forget that we don't even have any dealings? And yet you have the audacity to talk to me? And you want to ask me about water? And do you, do you even have something to drink with, let alone ask me for water? Then the second, Jesus and the Samaritan woman had to address the walls that were built due to the wounds of the past through verses seven, and, seven through 10. Now, from history and understanding from the scholars that Samaritans, because they were like a mixed breed, they weren't pure Jews. So their whole disposition was basically division and, and, and standoffish. Because I wasn't born in your area and you weren't born in my area and you're not part of this community. You don't worship in this community. So how are we trying to even have that sense of community? And Jesus had to step past that. One thing I love about Jesus and his ministry is that he was radical. He was radical to go beyond places that others were scared to go. Mm -hmm. And the reason why he was radical because his heart was of love, because Jesus is love. And so in order to have a community, there has to be love. And you have to cross over in order to engage that family, to have that sense of community. Then Jesus and the Samaritan had to address the capabilities. That was the third thing. The capabilities and the legitimacy of being able to quench and the, and the deep thirst that the woman had that she wasn't even really recognizing. See, when God deals with us about things that he wants to do in our lives, we sometimes question if he's able. Hmm. It's like the man who had his son that had palsy. And Jesus came and he brought his son, well, excuse me, his, the father brought the son to his disciples. And Jesus is coming down from the mountain, from the mountain of transfiguration. And after the disciples wasn't able to cast the demon out of his son, he brought the son to Jesus and said, I brought it to your disciples. And they weren't able to do it. So if you please be willing, and God had to respond, if, if I'm willing, if I'm able, I know I'm paraphrasing, but just the whole story of it. Sometimes when God is walking us through certain things and dealing with our issues, he knows the real issue that's going on. The question is, do we believe that he'll touch it? Do we believe that he will quench the thirst? Do we believe that he will make a way do you believe that he'll bring that healing into your life? Do you believe? Mm -hmm. So here's a woman asking him, you know, 
giving them a whole dissertation of the history of the whale and everything and argue the whale is deep, the whale is in this particular place. Do you have that capabilities to do that? So here is Jesus, after he's answering all these questions and giving her a response back, as Jesus addressed those barriers in conversation, then the Samaritan became honest and acknowledged that she needed Jesus to quench her thirst. This Jesus told her, hey, I have some water. What I have to offer you, you don't have to come back to this place again. What I have to offer you is a, is a well of living water that's gonna quench the very thing that is deep within. And she stops for a minute. Now, can you just imagine being sitting at a well, having a conversation, now you know there's water right here, but this man is talking about something that is not even referencing to that water, but a water that he provides. There are things in our life that God wants to provide us with. That peace, that joy, that satisfaction. And the only thing he asks from us is just to be honest. The woman had to be honest. In our life, we have to be honest to deal with every single thing in our lives, such as the dryness, the weakness, anything that we're going through. God is asking us to be honest, to share what is going on inside of us, what is going on emotionally, what is going on spiritually, what is going on physically, and just be honest and say, I'm hurting, mm -hmm. I'm dry, I'm drained. I'm tired. When we come to that place of honesty, then that's when God will offer a water, that peace, that joy, whatever we need at that moment. But the first thing is honesty. So after the woman was honest with him, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw this water. What's so interesting is that after she became honest, then she had to continue to unpack. Because she started to share, she said, uh, Christ asked her, now go get your husband. She said, I have no husband. He said, you're absolutely right. You had five husbands. And the one that you're with is not even your husband. See, God knows how to really get to the root of the matter. This, the one thing, she was giving her dissertation of legitimacy. I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew, I'm a woman, even though the scripture doesn't really emphasize about her gender, but the fact that she is a woman. But not only that, we just don't want to exclude you brothers out. Because mm -hmm. even at that moment, you could say, if you were in her shoes, I'm a Samaritan man. Why, listen, come on, really, why are we talking? <laughs> we have no we have no but instead he's saying I'm addressing everything that you really really need so even though you put up these blocks and these walls and these barriers and you give your reasons and your logic reason and you may even some may even throw out their degrees well I have my my PhD in this and I have my training in this and well technically is the Bible this way or does it really specifically say this no God is saying 
I know the real issue that's going on within you. All I need for you to do is be honest and be transparent. So with her honesty and transparency, the woman was affected by what God was offering her. And the question I ask you, are you thirsty? I'll give you a moment just to pause and to think about Think about her. Think about the questions that Christ was asking her. But not only that, think about the questions that God is asking you about possibly forgiving your sister or your, your brother or a family member because he knows that there's a void there. And you need to reconcile. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for that companionship? Are you thirsty for God to give you that joy? Because you've been trying everything and every going and doing everything else, and still there's nothing there that can really quench that thirst. So just think about it. Are you thirsty? I must ask you, are you still thirsty? What type of well are you constantly going to that still hasn't quenched our thirst? How many more methods, reasons, planning, and searching will we do before coming to the end of ourselves? Finally, when will we become honest and acknowledge that we are tired, drained, and dry? I had to ask myself that same question and had to be honest with God and stop trying to work and do everything and work my way through it. But actually say, God, I need your help. And I need you to feel me because I am dry, I'm tired, and I'm draining here. And in order for me to go on in school, I need you to feel me. Fill me with your love, fill me with your peace, fill me with your joy so that I can continue on in this journey. The Samaritan woman's thirst was a deep, was deep as the well of Jacob. When the Samaritan woman realized who was asking to be honest and willing, then her life shifted. After her life shifted, then she was able to move forward and reconnect with other people because Jesus had addressed her thirst. So today, I just wanted to have an intimate conversation just like Jesus had an intimate conversation with the woman, but yet it was out in public. But it was just a one-on-one -on -one conversation. God is asking all of us, are we still thirsty? And wherever you're thirsty, that's where he wants to fill. I've given many examples of dealing with thirst and being dry. But now the question is, where, God, in my heart am I thirsty? And if you're not thirsty, praise the Lord. God is good. And you can give him praise for that. But if there's still somewhere inside of you that you don't feel that God has filled, this is the time. Let us pray. Mm -hmm. Father God, we thank you for your word. As we evaluate our own thirst, God, we know that 
There is the natural thirst where we can get a glass of water or get a, a sweet beverage. Some even like coffee. But God, whatever we use for the physical body, you have allowed us to be blessed and able to get that. But God, even after we have given, have, after we have taken on the natural substance and the fluids thereof, God, we just ask you to help us to evaluate where we are thirsty. If there is any thirsty, thirsty parts of our of our being, our spiritual being. God, we just ask you to help us to recognize it and to acknowledge it so that you can fill us, that we don't have to go back to anything to quench it, but actually sit in your word and feast and drink on your word because your word is the living water. Your word is the bread of life. So God, we thank you for the water. We thank you for being the water. And we ask you to remind us to keep coming to you as the water to fill us over and over again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.